submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this podcast, Are You a Fan of the Dark? Hello everyone and welcome back to Are You a Fan of the Dark? I'm Dale. And I'm Jody. And we are continuing with season one. This week we are doing the episode, The Tale of the Dark Music. Ooh. It's been a while. It's been a, a bit of a while for sure. Going back to what we normally do, what do you remember about this episode? So I remember that this is an episode of bullying and what it feels like to be the little guy who's found a way to take one up on the big guy. Uh, I remember that the main, I cannot remember the main character's name, mind you. No, but that there's some middle school, something like that. Probably middle school. It's Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's, I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Who randomly starts to hear something coming out of his cellar. He plays music. He goes down there, hears a demon, something along those lines. Then the demon gives him a wish in exchange for sacrifices. I don't remember what the first couple of sacrifices are. I really don't remember if this was like, he feeds it a small squirrel, or it eats his sister. I I know there is some point where his sister comes into it as being a bargaining chip, because she's irritating the crap out of him, but I think that's the end of the episode. Uh, otherwise, I know he ends up feeding it a bully that has been bothering the crap out of him through school. That's really all I remember. Yeah, I don't even remember that. I think, I think in the promos for Are You Afraid of the Dark, they showed scenes from this because I remember something about a kid going down some stairs and then there's this door that's really out of place in this, in this basement. Mm -hmm. Like it looks really old fashioned and kind of ramshackle compared to the rest of the house. Like it doesn't make any sense for it to be there, but I could be conflating stuff. You seem to have a better grasp on this episode than me. If this is the episode I'm thinking it of, which tells you much on its own, it's about a kid who plays a bunch of horrible rock band music in his basement, and it wakes up an angry monster that gives him presents in return for killing people. Oh boy, we get terrible 90s music. Cool. Yeah. It's actually a really horrifying story when we sit down and talk (laughs) about it. Okay, well, let's uh, see how correct we are in our remembrances of this. But first, let's go visit our retro sponsor. Cinnamon gum freshens breath longer than Big Red. So kiss a little longer, hug a little longer, stay close a little longer, longer with Big Red. That Big Red freshness passed right through it. Your fresh breath goes on and on. Watch it chew and say goodbye a little longer, make it last a little longer. Give your breath more lasting freshness with Big Red. All right, and this week's retro sponsor is Big Red. Big Red Chewing Gum by Wrigley's. Because if you're a kid of the 90s or 80s, really the 80s too, I guess. Yeah. You saw all those Wrigley's gum jingles on TV. Like or maybe you only saw one, because we only remember seeing yeah. one. But then we saw that there were about, oh, eight or ten more that we never even knew about. Yeah, we went on, I went on YouTube to find old commercials, and there were a lot. Amazing, too, how often that the jingles kept changing slightly here yeah. and there. 
Yeah, apparently with the Big Red commercials, they changed the lyrics just a little bit every time to match with the commercial, but it was all pretty much people kissing and hugging and stuff. Yeah, I don't remember being a really big fan of Big Red. Of all the Wrigley's gums, my favorite was Juicy Fruit, and then Winter Fresh when it came along. And Double Mint. Mm, no, not a big fan of Double Mint. I was always okay with mint flavors. I was not a big fan of Red Hots when I was younger either, so this was one I didn't get too much uh, into, but ironically one I prefer now. We have Big Red in front of us. It looks really disgusting to me. That is to say, it looks like a giant wad of redness that has been well, sugar-coated? Well, yeah, so it's not sticky, but it's hard. and It's like a defective peppermint. Yeah, especially since most gum nowadays are in basically chiclet form. Old school stick. This ought to be interesting. I've been eating hot chocolate, so a little cinnamon is not horrible idea. And he's not kidding when he says he's been eating it. Shut up. <laughs> Tell me about your reactions upon old school stick it's gum <laughs> i would not associate cinnamon gum with fresher breath though would you i would think it'd be minty that you'd want for a fresh breath compared to halitosis <laughs> look i'll take it you know tastes like red hots or hot tamales it's not as uh, strong as i would remember it being honestly Mm-mm. it didn't cut my mouth some older gums have before <laughs> the pack might be fresher than some of the older gums we've tried probably not very good for bubble blowing i just tried all right so fresh breath only um mm-hmm. it will make your breath smell better than what it probably was before big red is definitely not my favorite but the jingles were catchy <laughs> jingles were very catchy and this was just picked arbitrarily because we have a whole bunch of fun retro sponsors to go through so expect more wriggly gum in the future okay so <laughs> let's get on to watching the tale of the dark music Okay, and we just finished watching The Tale of the Dark Music. This episode originally aired on October 31st, 1992, and was written by Chloe Brown and directed by Ron Oliver. This was a lot better than I remembered it being, honestly. Yeah, it was not terrible, but it was it was one of the darker ones for sure. Yeah, for as a kid, I don't remember really having a good understanding of just how horrible this actually was. This is some... Some really twisted stuff that's going on here. The main character is a full-out sociopathic murderer. That's just amazing in a kid's show to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, he becomes that way. The beginning of the episode, you know, of course, we start at the campfire, as we usually do. Everybody's getting ready for the uh, scary tale of the night when Frank comes running into the clearing, is really upset. (laughs) Suddenly, from out of the woods. Yeah. Um, apparently Frank lost his flashlight. Yeah, and was supposed to meet up with Eric so they could come in together. And that way Frank wouldn't have to worry about being lost or the darkness that exists. Yeah, um, freaking Eric immediately harps on Frank and is like, Oh, you scared of the dark? Yeah, he's being so petulant the entire time. He's sitting in the throne. He's just making fun of uh, Frank. It's kind of sad. And Frank brings up a really good point. He's like, I thought I might get lost in the dark, which is fair. These kids are in the middle of the woods, so I don't know why everybody's being so mean to him. Well, they're middle schoolers. (laughs) Everybody was mean when they were a middle schooler. Yeah, I guess. But they are ribbing Frank pretty badly for it. Yeah, he's pretty mad about it. But they get to the story. It's Eric's turn this week. And um, I don't like Eric, so I was expecting this to be a pretty terrible story. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Eric's an asshole. 
So he starts with his story, and we are introduced to the main character, Andy. I would like to point out, honestly, on the notes that we take for this, Dale actually does have written out, Eric is an asshole. Yes. Very strong feelings here. Yes, I do not like him. Um, Anyway, he explains that Andy, um, his parents just split up, and their mom is having a hard time taking care of him and his sister, and like they're having a hard time making ends meet, so Andy is a paper boy to basically make enough money to buy lunch at school which is kind of sad what a good story opener though for a fairly realistic setting you know not all of us had to go into that place but we've known kids that have yeah and so the family's been down on their luck for a while when they get this wonderful windfall an uncle that their mom doesn't even really remember basically gives her or wills her a house after he died so they are moving into this supposedly creepy old house, and a lot of the story unfurls with them basically settling in. And he's riding his bike, and he's running into the neighborhood bully. Yep. We run into this kid who's got super long hair. Fabulously he, curly long hair. <laughs> he's wearing cowboy boots and uh, really tight black jeans and a black t-shirt and this super long rocker hair, and he looks like Budnick. He's the country goth that all of us wanted to be, but never were. <laughs> yeah, and all these encounters with this kid, we eventually find out his name is Coda. Not for a while, but it's Coda. There's all these like crazy guitar riffs in the background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything he does is hard rock. And right out of the gate, Coda is just fucking threatening Andy's life. Like, oh, you're the new kid. Everybody hated your nutbag uncle, and we're glad he's gone. But now you're related to him, and you're here, so now I'm going to beat the shit out of you? What? Look, everybody was glad when your nutbag uncle kicked in. You had to show up. Hey, I never even met the guy. You're his family. It's the same thing. If you get in my face again, you're history. Who are you? I'm your new neighbor. Welcome to the neighborhood. Now you know that Coda has it out for Andy for no apparent reason. And we cut back to the house where the family is unpacking stuff. And we get an idea of, unfortunately, kind of how useless this mother is as a person. She's trying to put up a blind. She's literally just, she's got it in her hands and she's just jumping in the air with it, wondering why it's not connecting to anything. (laughs) Yeah, like she won't even go get a step stool or anything. Yeah, just, she's being very ridiculous. We immediately find out that the house is supposed to have been this old uncle, that he's very creepy from what was being said earlier, mm-hmm. but it looks really normal, uh, yeah, which was the only thing that I thought was a little ridiculous. The house seems pretty contemporary. Like, it's not dilapidated, it's not old-fashioned in any way, and everybody keeps saying, like, it's falling apart, or it's really old and weird. Yeah, so the, the, the weirdest thing is that Andy's opening up a box and he pulls out a, fish, a stuffed fish? Yeah. Whoopee! So the guy was a fisherman what's the problem but mom sends him downstairs to go take care of something Something in the basement but this is this is after his sister makes fun of him because he's like i don't really want to go down to the basement and his sister is like what are you scared of the dark that's kind of the theme here turns out there's good reasons yeah (laughs) but not that we know that yet andy heads down i was surprised here again i was expecting tons of boxes uh stuff and clutter everywhere it's it's actually really empty there's very few things in here There's just a couple of empty old shelves and an old radio. Yeah, whoever did the set dressing for this didn't do a very good job. Yeah, they really did take kind of an empty house and then just cut with that. (laughs) Yeah, it looks not great. When Andy heads down there, he walks past this weird looking door. That's the only thing that's out of place. 
because it looks like a weird old farmhouse door. He immediately finds this old radio and decides to plug it in because apparently this kid can't do anything without music in the background. So Andy calls back upstairs because the switch that powers the basement is at the top of the stairs. Uh, Of course, his sister calls down like a bratty little, well, young girl. Do it yourself. But mom takes pity, kicks it on, and the radio starts up. The radio, I thought, was the most terrifying thing in this entire (laughs) series. It looks like an angry face, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is fantastic. Yeah, and he keeps messing with the dials and finally gets some music going. And then hard rock. he suddenly (laughs) hears rattling behind him coming from that weird old door that he previously ignored. Yeah, I love this little game of chicken that he starts to play with it because he'll turn the volume up, turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. And he has a point where he turns around and goes, I heard you. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. And then he finally just leaves the music on entirely and he hears the door creaking open behind him and he turns around and sees the door open to just plain blackness and he's kind of frightened and confused. And then all of a sudden these red eyes appear and say, hello, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) in such a nice old man tone hello andy would you like to come in (laughs) yeah yeah nice um, spot of tea in here hello andy come on in and of course andy's like nope and he runs the hell out of there yeah he trips the wire on the way out uh the radio drops barks and sputters yeah and then the door closes But he runs upstairs to go get his mom. At this point, we jump back to the campfire and all the kids are sitting around and they're like, whoa, that's so freaky. He needed, he saw red eyes and hey. The the boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, Hey guys, where's Frank? (laughs) Because apparently Frank has also pieced out of the the entire scene. Well, because he's afraid of the dark. Of course he ran. At least that's what Eric tells everyone. He's like, he couldn't handle it. He just left. Whatever. I'm going on with my story because he's a twat. (laughs) No. He's an asshole. Says so in the notes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Andy gets his mom, and his mom takes him seriously, which I'm like, okay, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, she's got a hockey stick. She's yeah. straight up ready to go commit, you know, vengeance Murder. on whoever is down there. <laughs> she's like, oh, my kid said she he heard somebody? Crap. So uh, she arms herself, goes to the door, pulls it open, and kind of laughs. She's like, Andy, there's nothing in here. Like, it's just the root cellar. And yeah, she turns on the light in there. It's just this empty little stone room with nothing in it. Now, this does explain the door, at least, because it is a root cellar. You you don't typically have the nicest doors in front of root cellars. Yeah. Especially if you're going for a theme. Yeah, they just dismiss it. She's like, eh, maybe it was just a rat. (laughs) Yeah, she's laughing at him a little bit at this point. So her ranking of, okay, mom's actually going to do something useful kind of dropped a little bit for me again and then she's like um we should probably get upstairs and get some dinner before chris eats it all because apparently chris is a fat ass and nobody can control that child i personally have a friend that his younger sister was very much like this Mm. andy is a little confused but we don't get to see his reaction after this because we suddenly cut to coda doing chores Cue the rock music. In one of the most disturbing scenes thus far in Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) Because there's this, you know, young teenage boy scrubbing steps. And all of our vision is blocked out by the sign of this old man's ass as he waddles his way up the stairs. Shirtless older man. And he is basically just looking at the kid like, You want allowance? You gotta work for it. Don't give me no lip. You want an allowance? 
You earn it. Yeah, yeah. And he's eating a burger, and it's... It's like a oh. Subway sandwich. It's half done, so he's just flopping it around as he's gesturing at what Coda needs to do. He's overweight. It's such a good scene. It's so awful. It's one of those... You really question if it should have been on TV. Yeah, it was awkward and terrible. But, you know, Coda is scrubbing the steps, and Andy happens to be riding by delivering his newspapers, he throws a newspaper, it happens to knock over the bucket of water that Coda was using, splashes all over Coda. Soaks him. Yeah, and he is pissed. Now, I like this a lot because it does show that Coda's human. He's a bully, sure, but he's a bully because his dad's a piece of trash. Yeah. Just utter trash person. And it treats him like crap. And so he's just doing what, unfortunately, all kids at that age do. If you tend to go through abuse like that, you take it out on someone else that you can. Coda chases Andy. Andy basically... Runs home, goes and hides in the cellar. Coda can't get to him. Just as, you know, Andy's like, whew, I got out of that one. He starts getting freaked out by the basement again. He starts looking around and he is spooked by his little sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hears something. He tries to man up to go after it. And his sister totally catches him off guard. Are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. Such a brat. And then we cut to yet the next scene. Um, the mother is still cleaning up the house. The kids are kind of just farting around in the living room or whatever. It's interesting because Andy is painting a picture of the doorway, the cellar door. He's yeah. obviously very infatuated with what's going on there, but doesn't know what it is. And he starts asking his mother about their uncle because... He doesn't know anything. Just, you know, what kind of person was he? What did he do? And the mom's like, well, nobody really knows. He just came into a lot of money. He was kind of a recluse. Everybody in the neighborhood didn't really like him. And he was found dead at the bottom of the bit. You know what? We don't need to go into that. Um, and the mom, you know, is like, well, uh, hey, Chris, can you go change over the laundry for me? She's playing a video game, and who in the life of whatever was going on has ever held their controller the way she's doing? <laughs> she's got her hands over the top of the controller, and she's like pressing the buttons with her palm. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. But apparently she's too busy to do chores. And the mom doesn't reprimand her. Nope. Instead, she gives pleading eyes to Andy and makes him do it instead. So Andy, of course, goes down in the basement and has a new radio down there. Yep, new unexplained jukebox. Because this kid just cannot do anything without music, apparently, even changing over laundry, which... He does horribly again. <laughs> yeah, this kid is bad at life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but when I need to put clothes from the washer into the dryer, I take them out of the washer and put them in the dryer. He's got a stack of them on top of the dryer which he's carefully unfolding looking at and then putting back yeah. into the dryer it's really awkward what but the music is playing in the background and the door opens and he doesn't even really notice it but all of a sudden Ugh. this life-sized porcelain doll comes walking out and andy you know finally fucking notices <laughs> This thing was creepy. Yeah, and it's got this creepy music box music behind it, and it's like, Andy, come play with me. Hi, Andy. Won't you come play with me? We can have lots of fun. Just come with me. The mom starts coming to the top of the stairs wanting to see what andy's doing and what's taking him so long immediately when that once that happens the doll says hurry we don't have much time take my hand let's go andy 
everything okay? Hurry! Please hurry! Yeah, and he is like mesmerized and he's reaching out and he's about to take the doll's hand and mom upstairs flips the switch to the power downstairs and turns off the radio and you just hear this ungodly shrieking as the doll disappears. It like gets sucked backwards into the door. Yep, is is pulled backwards. Hey you! What are you doing? So again, Andy can't do anything without music. I think you're dead on the money. That is an obvious fact that the mom takes advantage of here. And Andy snaps out of it. He doesn't know what just happened. He has zero memory of this life-sized porcelain doll coming after him. Which is a weird outlier again. Because he does remember what happens later. Yeah, that's really odd. Okay. Moving on. So yeah, we skip the next day. Andy comes home from school, grabs a bunch of clothes that have to be done, takes them downstairs to do washing this time. Because he has no recollection that it's dangerous to go down there. And right after he gets started, uh, we hear the music start to change from whatever it was to... It was like smooth guitar. <laughs> but not rock. <laughs> no. Well, there's a lot of rock, actually. And that's <laughs> rock all the time. Uh, but it changes from that to carnival music. Like, like calliope music. And he thinks that's odd. So he starts going and messing with the radio to try and change the station. But every station he comes across is still this weird calliope music. Yeah. So yeah. the back cell- the root cellar door opens. Mm-hmm. And it's a carnival going on on the other side of the door. With the barker sitting in the front, yelling at him, come on down, come on down, get some popcorn. This is going to be fun. Come on, Andy. Andy is mesmerized again. Andy gets real close and the barker says, come on, it's just one more step for fun. Oh, don't stop now, son. You're almost... And then turns into a skeleton and his poor bony hand (laughs) reaches out and grabs Andy's wrist. His poor waddly plastic fingers. (laughs) Yeah. And Andy then starts screaming because he's like, (laughs) oh my god. And then the barker turns pure skeleton and is laughing in his face. Some black hole effect occurs. Andy turns, grabs onto the table. It's sucked off of his feet. So they're just... floating in the air trying to get pulled into the... Yeah, it's very poltergeist-esque. Yeah. (laughs) As finally... Well, the skeleton's laughing this entire time. And in a desperate attempt to save his life, Andy reaches out, grabs the boombox, the most stable thing in the room. (laughs) Clearly. And (laughs) drags it from the wall as his lifeline. Once it unplugs, he hits the floor, the doors close, and everything's quiet. And he's sitting there and he has the boombox in his lap. He's like, it's music. (laughs) Yeah, no shit, Andy. You could see the hamster turning on that one. (laughs) Yeah. So he has this revelation and he's like... This is crazy. This is amazing. I gotta go tell my mom. So he runs up the stairs, starts, uh, jumps on his bike, starts running down the street, and immediately runs right into Coda. And Coda's like, it's time for a pounding. (laughs) (laughs) He was really cheerful and jovial about it. He's like, good morning. Isn't it a nice afternoon? Punch. Punch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just decks this poor kid, knocks him off his bike. Such a horrible shot. Yeah. He like tips his nose friendly like yeah. just knocks his ass down it's pretty bad and freaking andy's like stop i gotta find my mom he's the worst i don't like andy no he's he's norman bates no norman <laughs> bates has 
know. Anyway, Coda is like, well, you're a little piece of shit and I hate you. And he basically steals Andy's bike and throws it in the middle of the street right in front of an oncoming semi-truck. Now, it's a big black semi-truck. I personally think this is his dad's yeah, vehicle. It's his dad. They're double teaming. Because it's blaring rock music. Like, it's not said, but I would bet money that was the intent. Probably. And that truck just runs that poor bike over. And Coda's like, now you can do your stupid paper route on foot. Nerr. Better get used to this. I'm going to be beating you up for the rest of your life. Here's your bike. Chunk. Yeah. And then, you know, Andy gives up his quest to find his mom and he's just, you know, sitting on his porch looking at his broken bike, crying. And he's like trying to figure out what to do when all of a sudden he has an epiphany. So we cut him back to the basement where Andrew has now put in a line of speakers and really should have had a poster board or something saying murder plot written up in here. <laughs> absolutely perfect for it he is setting up track plans he's doing electrical work he is making sure that this thing is going to be pounding rock yeah he's making (laughs) this amazing stereo system and then he puts his murder plan into action because he goes up to coda's house again and throws a fucking newspaper at his head and i think he says um why don't you come over and clean my house you make a great maid yeah uh, of course coda comes tearing after him yeah uh, Andrew runs down uh, across the yard and out towards the basement. Coda comes running after him, sees the basement door open, and jumps inside. Yep, as soon as he does, Andy pops out, slams the door behind him, and uh, forces it closed with a broom. Mm-hmm. Slides a broom through the, uh, the, the handles. handles. So Coda can't get out, so then Coda's Classic. like, well, crap. So he runs and he tries to get to the door at the top of the stairs on the other side and can't get out either. So Andy's actually waiting there by the time Coda gets up to it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, don't worry. You think your days are done. No more beating up for you, kid. (laughs) Yeah, and he flicks the switch. As soon as he does this, this rock music just starts blaring through the basement and it's so loud, Coda is screaming in pain and covering his ears. Like, it's insanely loud. Yeah, it's really good at hiding screams from the neighbors. And as soon as the music kicks on and Coda starts screaming, you see the weird cellar door down there start glowing red between the slats. (laughs) dinner time yeah it's really really freaky and then all of a sudden the door kicks itself open and it's just flooding with red light everywhere coda screams close up on coda's mouth screaming and then andy hits the kill switch immediately the light goes away andy is at the top stairs saying coda coda are you down there if you keep this up I'm going to do this to you again. I guess they're trying to make him not sound like a murderer. And maybe this was just a whoopsie. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Uh, But Andy goes down and everything is silent. He walks down there. He doesn't see Coda. He keeps calling for him. Still doesn't see him. But there is a shiny new bicycle. A black bicycle. Because he's gone to the dark side. So yeah, there's this shiny new bicycle and the door to the root cellar is closed. Andy's like just looking around and he's like, hmm. And for some weird ass reason, he, you know, reaches behind him and has that boom box that he's been listening to um, while he's down there. And he turns it on. I like this because Andy figured out that music calls the beast. He tested that music called the beast. Yep. He puts a plan of action to kill his rival with this beast, sees that there's a new present for him, hits the play button. This is the culmination of everything he has been working for for the last day. And the uh, the light behind the slats, you know, lights up. But this time it's a nice, calm blue. 
angelic, you could say. And the door only cracks open a little bit this time. Doesn't, like, full-on swing open. It's that laziness you feel after you've eaten a good meal. You just don't want to kick the door at this time. Yeah, I see you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Then we hear this voice come out, and it's talking to Andy. And it says, you know, Hello, Andy. I can give you anything you want, just like I did for your uncle. What do you... What do you need me to do? (laughs) Just feed me. It said Seymour. I would have been all in. <laughs> but yeah, it basically explains that it will give Andy anything he wants as long as he feeds it. Of course, right after that, you hear the upstairs door kicked open. His bratty sister, Andy, I'm home. Mom says you have to feed me and you better do a good job or you're in trouble. And then Andy just gets this like wicked grin on his face. Oh, and the door, sorry, the demon behind the door starts laughing. It knows what's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so those two have a special moment where they're like, sister, yes, let's. That's the end of the story. And we cut back to the Midnight Society. And Kirsten's like, uh, he didn't really feed his sister to the monster, did he? Yeah, Eric uh, pansies out here and says, no, it didn't happen. He just scares her. I agree with Kiki, who straight up says he should have. Yeah, <laughs> should have she was a brat so yeah that's that's where eric's story ends but that's not where the episode ends quite because then they put out the campfire and everybody starts filing off one by one but eric is like okay where the hell is frank he has my dad's flashlight i can't go home without it i think betty ann tells him maybe you should just wait for him yeah one of them yeah and eric's like wait by myself and they're like you're not scared of the dark are you (laughs) alone in the dark Where no one can hear me scream? Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll just wait. And, you know, he starts packing his stuff up and he's sitting there. (laughs) I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid afraid of the dark. dark. I'm not afraid of the dark. Yeah. And he's slowly getting more and more anxious when all of a sudden a hand reaches out and grabs him. Eric shrieks like a little girl and goes running off into the darkness by himself. Cut over to Frank holding the flashlight underneath his face. Payback is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Shutting it off and running after him. And that's where the episode actually ends. All right. So what were your thoughts on this? It wasn't, like you said, it's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was cheesy as hell. That's for sure. Kids show. Certainly had to be. Like the, the props and sets and stuff were low quality for this show. But I mean, yeah. It's the the quality's never been that great, but this is especially bad. Yeah. Now this had the iconic skeleton yeah. uh, Barker, Carnival Barker, that is used in all of the TV promos and commercials from like that point forward. It's so ridiculous. It's like lost skeleton of cadaver quality or <laughs> house on haunted hill quality. Like so bad. I again rewatching this, I really, really appreciated this episode. I think this was a bit of a sleeper. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I just didn't recognize how horrifying this really is. Yeah, so it's not so scary that there's a monster in the basement, right? What's scary is that Andy has no conscience. Yeah, it's not the monster <laughs> in the basement. It's the monster in the house. <laughs> he is a sociopath for sure. It, do- it really doesn't help that the end of that episode with him, he's gotten beaten up. So his eyes are super dark and he yeah. looks so evil. <laughs> yeah, that's where he's gone more Norman Bates. He just has to put on a wig and try and stab people, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of more what I was meaning. He's lost his shred of humanity and he is all about making sure his mom is fine yeah. and getting whatever he wants. Yeah. That's his life now. It was like nothing for him to just lose it either because he, he had about two seconds to realize that his plan had gone wrong with Coda and he was okay with it. 
He was just like, oh, I meant to scare him. Now he's dead. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if it was that that was the opportunity to show him as being somewhat, like still somewhat having a conscience. Mm -hmm. Or if it was the, okay, if this failed, I'm going to say something just to have a little bravado so that mm -hmm. Coda doesn't come after me, uh, just in case I was wrong. But no, he he's a complete murderous sociopath because now he's going to probably kill his little sister. Kill his sister. Kill his sister. <laughs> So yeah, this is definitely one of those that probably was meant to be for an older audience, yeah. and they had to dumb it down for a kid's show. But it was done well enough to still be enjoyable. Not, still not one of my favorites, but better than I remember. Yeah, this went up in my ranking, personally, for sure. <laughs> okay, let us move on to our recommended screaming. Okay, and for my recommended screaming to go along with the tale of the dark music is actually going to be something from Creepshow. So Creepshow was a movie that was made in 1982, and it is a horror anthology. And it's basically based on this kid reading a horror comic book, and each story in the anthology is basically brought to life. A particular one that would go with the dark music is the one called The Crate. So in The Crate... It's based on a short story, and a college janitor is cleaning up, and he finds this abandoned crate under a stairwell somewhere. It says, like, Arctic Expedition 1893 or something, and he informs somebody. Of course, when people come to investigate it, they pry it open. There's this weird ape-like creature in there, and it eats people. <laughs> A couple other people are brought in to, to look at this thing, and consequently, it just it just keeps eating people. Finally, they get it back in the crate. There's a professor, Henry Northrup, who is intrigued by this. He kind of hates his wife, so he lures his wife down to the basement with the crate, has the ape thing eat her, um, because that's what he dearly wished, and then... Uh, he gets it back in the crate and decides to just drop it in a lake now that he no longer has his wife with him. But at the end of everything, it's shown that before he drops it in the water, the crate is actually empty. So this just really reminded me of the tale of the dark music because you have this weird force um, that's basically getting rid of people's problems for them. Okay, and for my recommended screaming, I'm going to recommend The Little Shop of Horrors the musical version released in 1986. Uh, it was directed by Frank Oz, and this movie focuses mostly on the meek flower shop assistant Seymour, uh, played by Rick Moranis, and his unrequited love of Audrey, played by Ellen Green. Uh, during a total eclipse of the sun, during a total eclipse of the sun, an alien plant shows up randomly next to Seymour, who purchases it, takes it home and quickly finds that it is granting him all sorts of fame and wonder and bringing a lot of business into the flower shop. Very shortly after that, it nearly starts to die, and it is up to good old Seymour to make sure that the problem is fixed. Seymour quickly finds that the plant talks, and he now has to figure out what to feed it, which the plant is more than happy to tell him is people. <laughs> it will do anything for Seymour, provided it feeds him people feed me Seymour. Uh, it is a wonderful movie filled with great musical songs wonderful acting and some really fantastic cameos and uh, a horrifying puppet yeah if you have one of those if you're one of those random people who has a fear of oversized puppetry watch this it'll scare the crap out of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Audrey 2 is a terrifying beast. <laughs> um, but it is a fabulous movie. Uh, I, it does actually have two different endings. So if you're a connoisseur and you want to see a good and a bad ending, by all means, go check this up. They are quite different. Okay, so now that we have Tale of Dark music done, I now declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Cue the smoke. Feel free to email us at areyouafanofthedark at hotmail.com. Are You a Fan of the Dark is all one word. You can also visit us at Are You a Fan of the Dark pod on Facebook. And we also have our Midnight Society fan club where you can submit your own memories or even just comments about Are You Afraid of the Dark. And you can visit our show notes at midnightsocietyfan.club. <laughs>